so today we're going to start off with this. Uh, it's talking about the purpose. So our series is called Parenting with a Purpose. And, um, and so I want to tell you the purpose of parenting today. I think sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes we think the purpose of being a parent is to raise a kid. Listen, anybody can raise a kid. Raising a kid isn't hard. As a matter of fact, humans are fairly resilient. There are lots of humans in this world that did not have parents. They did not have good parents. You can throw them out on the street and they will raise themselves. They don't necessarily turn out to be great people, but they can do it. They can absolutely do it. So it's not about just getting a child from infant to adulthood. That is not what being a parent is all about. There's got to be a bigger purpose than that. And so one of the things that I want to set as a foundation for this series is this. Our purpose for being a parent is for our kids to become followers of Christ and effective in the kingdom of God. So my purpose as being a parent is, to be a, is for my child to become a follower of Christ and to be effective in the kingdom of God. Everything else pales in, comparis- in comparison. Deuteronomy chapter 6 says this in verses 1 and 2. These are the commands and the decrees of the law of the Lord, Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing over to the Jordan to possess. Verse 2. So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all of his decrees and commands that I give you so that you may enjoy a long life. In other words, what he's saying here is the whole purpose of me giving you this law is so that you and your children and their children can obey them, that they will fear the Lord your God. So in other words, the purpose was for them to follow God. And so that's what we want to do today. So today we're going to talk about priorities. One week we're going to talk about discipline. One week we're going to talk about prodigals. Like if you've got a kid, some of you guys that are, that are older adults and you've got kids that are grown and they're not serving God, we're going to talk to you about that. Either, no matter what the topic is that we're talking about, the purpose is always going to be the same. We want our children to be followers of Christ. So even when we talk about discipline, why do we discipline our kids? Because we want our kids to be followers of Christ. So you just need to understand that going in. And I think a lot of times parents, um, as parents, especially in our area, we, we look at parents and, and, and the focus, the purpose of their parenting is for their kids, is really kind of selfish. They want their kids to be something that they can be proud of so that people look at them and say, wow, look at your son, you know. Your son's great at football, right? Your child is awesome at academics. Your kid grew up to be a doctor. And so we get this mindset that we want our kids to be successful in certain things. And honestly, we do that out of selfishness. We do that not for the kid's sake. Most of the time we do it for our sake because we want to look good as a parent. But the problem is there are a lot of very smart, athletic, successful people that are in hell. So being smart, athletic, and successful does not get you into heaven. It's great here on earth. That's awesome. But it's not going to do anything for you in eternity. So we need to focus on the things that will do something for us in eternity, something that will last, because that's the most important. I was reading a story uh, the other day in the Bible, and and it's the story of Lazarus and the rich man. Not Lazarus that, that Jesus raised from the dead, a different Lazarus. This guy was poor. This guy was destitute. This guy had nothing. All he had was his faith. And he begged from a rich man to give him a little bit of food. The rich man threw him out. The rich man didn't have anything to do with him. And then the Bible says that one day both Lazarus and the rich man died. And when they died, Lazarus went to heaven. The rich man went to hell. And there was nothing the rich man could do to get to heaven at that point. Because he lacked faith. 
And so that's the thing for us when it comes to raising kids. Look, I, I'm, I really want my kids to do well. My, my son and my daughter and my other son, they've, they've all played sports and they've all, um, well, one of them is smart and, and they do a lot of really good things. They do a lot. I'm not going to say which one is smart, but Gabriel knows which one it is. And, um, and, and it's not him. And, um, and they all do a lot of really good things. They all do a lot of really good things. But the point is, it doesn't matter to me. And I've, I've told my kids this over and over and over again. I could care less if you're good at sports. I could care less if you're the smartest kid in school. Do I want you to make good grades? Yes. Do I want you to try very hard? Yes. But that part doesn't matter to me at the end of the day if you're not serving Jesus. If you're not a follower of Christ, if you don't have good character and good morals, then all the other stuff doesn't matter. And so we try to instill that into our kids because all that other stuff doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me if they get a pretty girlfriend or a a good-looking boyfriend, right? It doesn't matter to me. That stuff is not important to us. It doesn't matter if they're prom king or queen. G2 got asked to a dance one time. And he told the girl, I would rather play video games with my friends than go to a dance with you. So my, I'm raising them right. Like I've got them going the right direction, at least that part. And, and so, um, so there are certain things in life that just don't matter. And there are certain things that do matter. And so what we want to do in parenting is focus on what does matter. Does that make sense? So I'm going to give you today, we're going to talk about priorities in parenting. Priorities in parenting, these, these are priorities um, that may be even above your kids, right? I'm going to give you three things that are above your child's love and, and affection, that are above all the, you know, the snuggles. And some of you guys, we've got, we've got all these parents in here. We've got to, all these parents to be. We've got lots of pregnant people at church. And, and um, I think I told you last week, um, and, I, and I even miscounted last week. Last week I said we have seven women that are pregnant with eight babies, because we've got one set of twins coming. Seven women pregnant with eight babies. And seven of those babies are due in the month of October. That wasn't including the people that aren't in Jonathan and Anna's small group. That's all from his small group. So if you ever want to go to a small group, don't go to John's if you're not wanting to have a baby. Right? That's the one I'm staying away from. As long as I can. As a matter of fact, they invite me over to their house and he's my brother-in-law and I'm not even going to go to his house anymore. There's just something about that house. I think their water filtration system is messed up. I don't know what it is, but I'm staying away from it. As a matter of fact, uh, she's in the nursery today, but I was working out with Anna Walker, Jordan's wife, and um, on Friday and she said, I, I just don't feel all that good. And I was like, oh boy. I was like, weren't you in Jonathan and Anna's small group? She's like, I'm not pregnant. I am not pregnant. <laughs> right away, right away, Jordan. She told me she wasn't. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that's what it is. So we're going to give you some priorities today. And some of these priorities even go above your, your child. Okay, so I want to show you these priorities real quick. My first priority in life as a parent, as a parent that's even above my kid. Now, now pay attention to this, is my relationship with Christ. My relationship with Christ has to take precedence over my child. Now, you're, you're probably looking at me like that. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It makes a lot of sense because the Bible says this, Deuteronomy 6. We're going to stay in Deuteronomy 6 a lot. 4 through 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. The most important thing you can ever do is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Why is that important? Because kids need someone to look up to. Kids need someone to look up to. If you're not serving Jesus, 
chances are they're not going to serve Jesus. We've got to be followers of Christ before they're going to be followers of Christ. Um, And notice one thing I didn't say. I did not say your ministry for Christ is a priority. I said your relationship with Christ is a priority. I think sometimes we get that a little bit twisted, especially in church world. Let me let you in uh, behind the the curtain, which we don't have curtains here, but um, let me let you in behind the curtain of church world. There are a lot of pastors out there that put their ministry above their families. And some of you knew pastor's kids growing up, and, and the stigma about pastor's kids was we, we are always the worst kids in school, right? Pastor's kids are always the ones getting in trouble. Why? It's because their dad or their mom put ministry above them. And so when I'm talking about your relationship with Christ, I'm not talking about your ministry for Christ. I'm talking about your relationship with Christ is a priority. Your, your ministry for Christ should be way down the list. As a matter of fact, I was reading, um, I was reading in 1 Samuel um, and 2 Samuel. It's in my Bible reading right now. I'm going through the Samuels. And, and, um, and, and in 1 Samuel, I was reading, and right at the beginning, there's a priest named Eli. And this priest named Eli, he's a priest of God. He's leading Israel. He's leading the country. And the Bible says that both of his sons were also priests just like him. They joined the ministry just like he did. The problem is both of those sons were having sex with women that weren't their wives when they would come to church. Both of those sons were stealing from the offering every time people would come to church. Sounds a lot like the church of today, right? I don't know that Eli, I'm not saying Eli's a bad parent, but I'm going to tell you this. Eli obviously didn't do something right. Both of his boys were messed up. So it doesn't matter what your ministry is. That doesn't make your kids be right. Then the Bible goes on to talk about Samuel. And the Bible says that Samuel grew up and Samuel was a man of God. And Samuel judged Israel. He led Israel. Samuel was a prophet. He prophesied um, all this stuff. Samuel's the one that anointed Saul as king. Samuel's the one that anointed David as king. But the Bible says that Samuel, whenever he um, got older, he appointed his sons as judges. But the Bible says that both of his sons were corrupt. So although Samuel had a great ministry, his parenting skills, something was wrong there. Both of his sons didn't serve God. Then we read about David. The Bible says a man after God's own heart. David was the one that killed the giant. David was the one that led all Israel as king. But even David's kids, one of his sons raped his own sister. The other son killed him and David did nothing about it. Then that son ended up trying to take over the throne. A lot of family drama. So I'm just saying that to say this. Your relationship with God is more important than anything else. And it's more important than your ministry. Don't talk to me about how, what great things you do for God. Tell me about how much you love God. That has more impact on your kids than the great things you do for God. There's a, there's a couple of statistics I'm going to put on the screen in just a second. But these statistics are, are fairly interesting. And I think it's ironic. Every time I talk about people missing church, it's on Sundays like, when a lot of people are sick or out. So I, like, I, know, I know Bobby called me yesterday. He's like, hey man, kids are throwing up. We're going to have to be home. I'm not bringing pukey to church. I said, thank you so much. Just watch from home, from your bathroom or wherever it is you're watching today, Bobby. But unfortunately today I'm going to give you stats about people that don't go to church, right? Um, but here's a couple of stats. Uh, statistics show this, that if mom and dad both go to church... And I know church, I know going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger, right? But, but the idea, you understand the, the concept here. If mom and dad both go to church, statistics show that 72% of kids will go to church as adults if both of their parents go to church. That's pretty big. 
72% of kids will go to church if both parents go to church. But look, if only the dad goes to church, that number drops to 55% of kids will go to church. If just dad attends, 55%. If only mom goes to church, it drops to 15%. Dads, we have a role we need to play as spiritual leaders in our home. Moms, you got a role too. I'm not diminishing that. We'll do Mother's Day uh, coming up probably next week, I think, is Mother's Day. Um, I'm not sure. Sorry, Mom. Is that right? Okay, good. My mom's here. Next week I'll say something nice. Um, but here's the thing. Moms have a role too, but dads, this shows you something about being a spiritual leader. And then the, then the other fact is this. If neither mom nor dad go to church, it drops down to 6% of kids will find their way to church as an adult, if neither one of their parents go to church. It just shows you the impact that you have as a parent. Your relationship with Jesus is the most important thing that you can have. And if you don't have a relationship with Christ, it's going to make a huge impact on your kids in a negative way. So why did I say my relationship with Christ is a priority over my kids? It is a priority because your kids need that example to look up to. Your kids need a leader to follow. Look, kids, kids don't need to be the leaders of their homes. They need someone to lead them. They need someone to guide them so that they can lead and guide one day as adults. My second priority is my relationship with my spouse. My relationship with my spouse. And the reason why is because my, spouse, my relationship with my spouse reflects my relationship with Jesus. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 20, verse 25. I could read the whole like, bottom section of Ephesians 5. And every time we do um, marriage uh, sermons, we talk about Ephesians 5. But I'll just start with 25 and just stop there. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The marriage relationship it is a reflection of the relationship between Christ and the church. So when the marriage relationship is right, it helps your kids understand their relationship with Jesus. When the marriage relationship is right, it helps the kids grasp the concept of God and Christ and how he works in us and through us. The, a healthy marriage relationship is what really is going to be a huge teaching point for a lot of kids. A lot of kids need to see that healthy relationship. And listen, let me, let me just say this. Don't hide everything from your kids. Don't hide everything from your kids. I, I know there's some kids that, that uh, I, I've seen adults that would, that would tell me, my parents never fought. They never fought one time, not one argument. And then you talk to the parents and the parents are like, oh, we had knocked down, drag out fights in the back room. We just didn't let our kids ever see us get angry, Right. So what happens to that kid is that kid grows up as an adult and the first time their wife or their husband has an argument with them, all of a sudden that kid or that, that adult now doesn't know how to deal with it because mom and dad never fought and now you're being crazy and I got to get out of this house. Right? Y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy, but I know it's true because I do the marriage counseling. A healthy relationship between husband and wife teaches kids how to deal with conflict resolution in a healthy way. Listen, my wife and I, don't, we don't throw all of our dirty laundry out for our kids to see. But we, our kids see us disagree on things. Our kids see us have conversations about things. If it's something very, very serious that we can't, you know, we don't want to share in front of them. Yes, we go to a bedroom and we have our conversations. But, but listen, it's okay for your kids to see you disagree about something and work something out. It's okay for your kids to see you kiss and hug 
and get a little booty tap or whatever it is that you do in your home. Mine's more of a pop, but that's just to each his own. It's okay for your... Perry's not here today, so I can say whatever I want. She's probably watching online, and let's turn notifications off. And now I don't know. So, so the, the idea is this. Kids need to see parents that love each other. Kids need to see parents that are affectionate towards each other. I've, I've heard other kids do the same thing. They talk about how they never see, they, they never saw their parents love each other. And they never saw their parents kiss. And, and the parents are like, but we do love each other. And the kids are like, well, we've never seen it. We've never experienced that. And so it stunts their relational growth coming up. Kids need to see uh, how parents serve each other. There, there's been plenty of times, uh, one of the things we give an example with our, in our house is, there are times when I do things around the house that I don't want to do, but Perry asked me to do something. Hey, would you help me with this? And I'll do it. And so then when my kids have to do stuff they don't want to do, I tell them, look, there's things I don't want to do too, but I do it because I love your mother. I do it because I want to serve your mother. And, and I need you to see that our relationship is a reflection of how you ought to live within the confines of this home as well. One of the things I'm really proud of is uh, this, this weekend, or this week, Pastor Jonathan and Anna, he talked about that. And, and listen, just to let you know how he got to go on that vacation, it was from back in October when we did pastor appreciation. Um, the trustees here at the church, the finance team, they took in the pastor appreciation money and then they gave it to us specifically for vacation. That's the only thing we're allowed to use that money for. So I think it's really cool that they did that to force uh, Jonathan and I, not together to go on vacations, but for Jonathan and I to go on vacations with our spouses or our families, however they want to work it out. Well, Jonathan chose to go on vacation um, this past week. And so whenever, uh, what he didn't say was, is he went to Disney, all right? He went to Disney World. He didn't want to say it because he knows that some of you guys boycott Disney and y'all going to start boycotting him. And so we get it. Um, we get it. But he went, he supported the mouse ears. And so, so Jonathan went to Disney. And so here's the funny thing was, is he did not take his kids with him. Now, I get it, man. If you're going to the beach, if you're going to the beach, yeah, don't take your kids. If you're going to a nice romantic uh, mountain escape, don't take your kids. But my man went to Disney and left his kids at home. And I went over to their house uh, while, they were out of, while they were out of town. I, I, took, um, I took my kid over there for something. And so when I, when I went over to their house to see, his, his parents were there. And, and his dad just kept saying, Gabriel? Now, his dad's never been to Disney I don't think ever in his life. If he did, he went back in 1942 before it was built. And so, um, so his dad said, Gabriel, are, are there things for adults to do at Disney World? He said, why, why would Jonathan and Anna leave their kids? And I said, Sonny, they don't love their kids. That's, <laughs> they love each other way more than they love their kids. I, I think the healthy thing, and now his kids won't get this right now. His kids are too young. But I think it is very healthy for kids to see their parents go on vacation together without them. I, when I was a kid, uh, when I was a teenager, my parents would go on vacations without me. And they went on vacations with me, and that was great. But I remember my parents going on vacations without me. And in the moment, I loved it because I was like, I got the house to myself for a week. You know, it was awesome. Um, but in, in retrospect, looking back on it, um, after talking to other people and talking about their families, I thought, man, my parents were really setting me up for success by leaving me at home. And you may not think that, but it's a huge deal for parents to go off because it showed me this is an example for me growing up that I need to still romance my wife. I need to take her. I mean, I don't know about Disney, but I need to take her somewhere and do something and leave my kids 
at home sometimes. That's a really good thing. So it's a, it's a priority to have that relationship with my spouse over even my kids. And another thing, too, that I think is important is, is kids don't need, I tell you this all the time when we do marriage stuff, you and your wife are on a team and your kids are not on your team. You need to remember that. Your kids are their own team. They're their own team. And sometimes their team is dysfunctional, right? And so you don't want to bring their dysfunction into your team, right? You leave that dysfunction over there, and you and your spouse have to have your own team. And it's you two against everybody else. And, and you love their team. You love those kids. They're good kids. But at the end of the day, they cannot come between the two of you, period. And they don't understand that now, but they'll appreciate it later. They really will. Um, the third priority is this, and this is to be the, the last priority, and then we'll talk about how to make it all work. So the third priority is discipling my children, right? My discipling, that doesn't say disciplining. Some of y'all looked at that right away and you started unbuckling that belt like you were ready. That's not what that means, Cam. That's not what that means. Discipling is different than discipline, right? We'll get into discipline a whole other day. We'll do a whole day just on disciplining your kids. Um, but that's not today. Discipling. Here's what Matthew chapter 28 says. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The first nation God has called you to disciple is the nation that lives underneath your roof. Before you go to Africa, before you go to Asia, before you go to, to downtown Birmingham, you need to disciple the nation that lives within your four walls. That's what God has called you to do. We see way too many people that can love everybody else, but they can't love their own kids. Your first job is to disciple your kids. Here's what Deuteronomy 6, going back to Deuteronomy 6, this time starting in verse 6. Says this, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them. I love that word. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and on your forehead. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Proverbs 22, 6 says this, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So we must disciple our children. Three ways we disciple. We can teach them, we can show them, and we can push them. To teach them means to explain to your kids. You need to have a moment where you sit down and explain the things of God to your children. You need to explain theology. You need to explain Jesus. And some of y'all may be looking at me and you're like, I don't know how to do that, and that's okay. Because the Bible says, Jesus says, go and make disciples and I will be with you. He's here to help you, not to hurt you in this. One of the things we're, we were talking this week in, in our staff meeting, and, um, and we, started, we started kind of dreaming a little bit and thinking a little bit and planning a little bit, and we said we need to have a new philosophy, a new, um, a new way of looking at ministry, right? Every so often you need to look at your job or you need to look at your parenting or you need to look at whatever it is you do and, and try to think, is there another way to do this that might be a little bit more effective? And, and, and when it comes to kids' ministry, when it comes to nursery and when it comes to, to, our, to our gateway kids upstairs and, and maybe even up into our youth ministry, our, our teenagers, our high schoolers, Here's something that we've done in the past. In the past, it was you just go drop those kids off and leave them back there and hope that the professionals can take care of them. 
right? I remember one time whenever my kids were little, I think G2 was little, and, um, and my sister-in-law, Wendy, was at my house, and, and she said, are you reading the, the Bible to him every single night? And at first I got kind of mad because she's not, she wasn't a parent at the time. And I thought, you don't know what it's like to be a parent. First of all, every single night, you're crazy. You know, I barely sleep every single night. And so, um, and so she said, are you reading? And I said, look, he gets the word. He gets the word at church. I, I give all the wrong answers. I'm not very good at being confronted with stuff. I give all the wrong answers. And I was like, he's getting the word at church. He said, no, 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 no. He doesn't need the word from the people at the church. And I'm thinking, I am the children's pastor. Like, I know what's happening at the church. He needs a word from you, you know. And so, and, and she was right. She was right. There needs to be a place where you are discipling your kids. And so we started rethinking how we do church here. We started rethinking because there was a time when you just drop your kids off and let the professionals deal with it. But listen, at our church, we're so small, we don't have professionals, first of all. We have volunteers that don't get paid, that know just as much as you know. All right? We're all in this together. And most of y'all know as much as I know because I tell you everything I know every Sunday. And you got it all. Here's what we started thinking. We started thinking, what if, instead of parents just dropping their kids off, what if parents took one Sunday every so often and they went and they were the teachers in the rooms? Not because we need a volunteer, but because as a parent, you need to know how to share the gospel with your kids. You need to know how to disciple your kids. And you may say, but I don't know the stories. Listen, you may not know about Jonah and the whale, but, but we will teach you Jonah and the whale. We've got videos and we've got curriculum and we've got all the stuff. We'll give it to you ahead of time. And all you got to do is know how to disciple your kids. There is something amazing about learning how to disciple your kids. And what we decided was instead of church being a place where we just have a bunch of professionals teaching No, no, no. This needs to be the kind of place where you can show up and you learn how to disciple your own kids. And you get to practice on my kids too, right? You get to have all the kids in there and you can practice with them. That's something I want you to think about. And the reason I say that is my my dad did this whenever I was growing up. A lot of pastors didn't have time for their kids. And I remember whenever, whenever we were younger, one of the things my dad talked about was how whenever my brother was younger, my old, I've got an older brother, he's nine years older than me, um, which means I was an accident, right? Um, or like they kind of say, you were a surprise and we wanted you. And I'm like, you didn't want me. You absolutely, no one plans a nine year gap between their kids, right? And so, um, and so anyways, so one of the things I noticed the difference between the two is dad used to always say whenever he was in the ministry that he spent a lot of time in the ministry doing church stuff and not a lot of time with my brother necessarily as much time. And so whenever I started getting older, I remember I was probably 12, 13 years old and, um, and I would go camping with the boys group in our church. And all of a sudden one day something clicked and my dad decided to go camping with us. And then he started going on all the camping trips with us. And then when the youth group would go on a ski trip, he would go on the ski trip. When the youth group would go on a mission trip, he would go on the mission trip. Why did he do that? Because he knew that, that listen, if he's going to disciple his son, if he's going to raise his son to be a follower of Christ, then he needs to be involved in that discipleship process. There are some of us as parents, we will show up at every football practice, every baseball practice, every volleyball practice. We will get our kids outside and we'll hit the ball with them and we'll study their math questions with them. And we'll do all the academics and we'll do all the sports and we'll do all the things. But when it comes to the gospel, we get really, really quiet and not involved because we'll just let the church handle that. That's not what the church is for. The church is here to teach you how to disciple your kids. 
That's going to be our new goal moving forward. So you got to teach it to them. you got to explain it to them. And then you got to show it to them. you got to set the example. Matthew 5, 16, In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Listen, you got to show your kids the example of how to live for Christ, how to be a disciple. This past week we did, the, we were doing two weeks of building our future offering. And so um, Perry and I had decided a certain amount of money that we were going to give for building our future. And it, and it just so happened to be um, in cash. We don't, we very rarely give cash here, but, but this particular Sunday, last Sunday, we decided to give cash. And so I had the cash in the car um, on the way to church because I didn't want to forget it. And so I'm in the car and Colt is with me. My youngest son is with me. And he looks over at the cash and he was, and you know, kids like $10 is a lot of money to a kid. So he looks over, he's like, dad, what are you doing with all that money? You know, like, and can I have some? Like, that's his first response is, how can I get what you've got sitting right there? You know, can I touch it? Can I hold it? Can I count it? Can I have some? And, um, and obviously, I'm not going to let him touch it because then some of it will end up in his pocket. So um, I, know, I know my parenting skills are not great. And so, so anyways, we're in the car, and he's looking at the money. And I took that as an opportunity. I said, son, mom and dad have decided to give this money to God. It's something God spoke to us to do. It's something we want to be obedient to do. And we just trust God that even if we give this money away, that he's going to provide for us because he's always been faithful. He's always provided every time we've done this. And it was that moment of not just teaching him, but setting an example for him. So that whenever I come back later and I tell him in the next part, so you got to teach them, you got to show them, and then you got to push them. Push them means that you allow them to build their faith. You tell them to do stuff. You push them out. Jesus sent the disciples out two by two. He said, listen, I can teach you all day long. I can do all the miracles all day long. But until you go out and do something, it's not going to take effect in your life. So you go out and you be a disciple. You be a follower. You go reach the lost, right? And so we do the same thing with our kids. When I tell my kids, you need to pay your tithe, you need to give offerings. What am I doing? I'm pushing them. But then they can always look back and say, I remember when my dad used to do that. I remember growing up, and I've, I've told this story before, but I remember growing up at five o'clock in the morning, hearing my dad in the living room praying, and it had, a, it had an impact on my life. I remember going upstairs to try to watch TV or, or play video games in the summertime, and I could hear my mom in her room with the door closed praying and worshiping God, and it had an impact on my life. It made me not want to play video games in that moment, of course, um, so I think that was her plan, right? But, um, but it had an impact on my life. Why? Because they didn't just tell me to do stuff. They showed me how to do it. So then whenever they did tell me to do it, I knew they were, they were speaking it from a real heart. I knew they weren't just telling me to do something. They were telling me to live like they were living. They were making disciples. So here's my last little thought today. If our goal is to love Jesus with all of our hearts and to love our spouse and to make disciples of our kids, if the purpose is to make them into Christ followers, then what do we do when we feel inadequate to do those things? Because I know, I know right off the bat, when I said some of y'all need to get back there and you need to be discipling your kids and you need to teach them the story of Jonah in the well and Noah in the ark and, and Jesus on the cross. Right when I said that, there's some folks in here, you immediately started like backing up a little bit in your heart because you're like, I, I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. I don't. Listen, let's go back to Deuteronomy, this time chapter seven. Deuteronomy chapter seven says this. It says, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the people on the face of the earth. It was not because you 
were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you are the fewest of all the people. But it's because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, the uh, king of Egypt. Now, therefore, I mean, know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Gabriel, I just don't feel adequate. I don't feel adequate to disciple my kids. I don't feel adequate to be the spiritual leader of my home. I haven't been serving God very long, or maybe you're not serving God at all. I don't feel adequate today. Let me just tell you something. The Bible says you are called to be holy, chosen, set apart, and a treasure. Maybe you're not serving God today. Maybe you're not a follower of Christ today. Can I tell you that the Bible says that even when you were still a sinner, Christ died for you? That he's got a plan for your life? He's got a plan for your life? And you've got to make a choice today. You've got to make a choice to follow him. But he's calling you. He's calling you. He's saying, I want you to be holy. I want you to be set apart. He says, I, I, I've called you my treasure. You're important to me. But I want you to follow me. And listen, verse 7 says, it's not because you were the biggest. It's not because you're the best. When God looks at this room today, he's not looking at this room thinking, Okay, let's see. Who are the best people in here? These are the ones I need. God looks at the room and says, who are the worst people in the room? Like, I don't care. I'll take, I'll take the worst of the worst and I'll use them for my glory. So when he looks at you, the Bible says, he, when he looked at Israel, he said, it wasn't because you're the biggest. He said, as a matter of fact, you were the least. Like, you didn't have anybody. You didn't have anything going for you. And I still chose you. So God doesn't care. Here's what he cares about. Why did he choose me? He chose me because he loves me. And if you can start right there, that's a foundation for discipleship right there. Kid, you need to love Jesus with all your heart. Why, dad? Because he loves you and he loves me. And even if I was the worst of the worst, he still loved me. And even when I was a nobody and I wasn't serving him, he still chose me. And even though I was a sinner, he still died for me. You may not know much, but you got a foundation of love right there. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we'll end with this one. I love this, this passage of scripture right here. 6 verses 20 through 25. It's a little bit long, but I really like it. I think it's going to be pretty good for us today. This will be a great way for us to go out today. Because at the end of the day, you don't have to be a children's pastor. You don't have to be a, a, a worship leader. You don't have to be a youth pastor. You just have to have a story, right? At the end of the day, all that matters is that you have your story. Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says this in verse 20. In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations and decrees and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out of there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we're careful to obey his law before the Lord our God as he commands us, that will be our righteousness. I love the fact that it says in the future when your son asks you, what's the meaning of all this? 
Mom, why, why is it that we go to church? Like, why do we have to go to church every Sunday morning? We go to church, son, because there was a time whenever we were slaves to sin. There was a time when we were alone and we didn't have anybody. There was a time when every one of our friends were pulling us in the wrong direction. And then God opened up a door and he put us in a family. And he gave us a a group of people that were going to love us and care for us and help us grow in Christ. Why is it that you raise your hands and worship, Dad? I don't understand. It looks weird. It looks funny for you to pick your hands up in, in the middle of a song. Well, son, here's what you don't know. Is Dad used to be in sin. Dad used to be addicted. Dad used to have some problems. But one day, Jesus set me free. One day, Jesus opened up my eyes. And now I can lift my hands in freedom. And every time we worship, and every time we sing a song that says, You are my champion, I can lift up my hands and say, I'm not bound by sin anymore. Dad, why is it? Mom, why is it that we give our money away to the church? Because we're not giving our money to the church, son. We're not giving our money to the church. We're we're putting our money in God's hands. We're we're taking our money because God has always been faithful to us. When we were poor and we didn't have nothing, God provided for us. When we couldn't see a way out financially, God showed up for us. I could tell my kids tons of stories like that. The other day, literally, this literally happened in our home. Perry and I are having this big talk about, about finances and I get... I get stressed when it comes to money and we're, we're talking about the possibility of building a house and building a house in this economy is not, it's stupid. And she's not here so I can say it, it's really stupid. And I'm just like, I just don't see how this is going to work. And I'm telling Perry that, I'm like, Perry, I don't see how it's going to work. And then, and then I was getting ready for, for the day and, it was in, and God began to speak to me. I just felt impressed on my heart. Hey, this money that you've got set aside for this thing, give it to building our future. And I was like, okay, we're going to give that to building our future. The next day, I'm not kidding, the next day we got a check in the mail for $1,000. I hadn't even given the money yet. That wasn't, it's not one of those things to me where it's like, oh, you know. It's just showing God's faithfulness over and over and over. God is just always faithful. So when your kid asks you, when your kid asks you, all you got to do is tell your story. Dad, why do you get up at four, five o'clock in the morning and pray? Why do I hear you praying in the other room when I'm trying to sleep? Mom, why is it that when I'm trying to play video games that you're in your room with the door closed and you're praying and you're talking to God and I can hear you and you sound silly because you're talking and nobody's answering? I pray, son, because I don't have all the answers. I pray because I'm hurt. I pray because I'm broken. I pray because I'm happy. I pray because I'm full of joy. And I've got to give all the glory and honor to God. When I don't have the answers, I've got to talk to him and see if he's going to give me an answer because God knows everything and I know nothing. We share our story. And we make disciples. Won't you stand up with me today? You know, a lot of times we lead. As pastors, we lead the church. In your jobs, you lead in your business. You lead um, in your community. Some of you guys lead in different areas. But are we leading in our home? Are we leading our families? Maybe you haven't had your baby yet. Maybe you're, you're pregnant and you're looking forward, half of you, to October apparently, right? Like you're looking forward to the fall and what God's going to do and the blessing that's going to be there. But are you preparing everything right now 
Yeah, you got the nursery ready and you got the paint on the walls and you got the crib put together. But are you preparing your hearts to be parents? Are you in a place where you're serving God with everything you've got? Are you in a place where you're loving each other with everything you've got? Are you in a place where you're preparing to disciple your kids? So my prayer today is not that I would be a better leader in my business and not that I would be a better leader in my church. My prayer today is that I would be a better leader in my home. My prayer today is not that I would push my kids to to get a a D1 scholarship in a sport or, or to be the valedictorian, but I would push my kids to be a follower of Christ and let everything else come as it comes. If you would, why don't you bow your heads with me this morning. There may be some of you today and you're not serving Jesus Christ at all. Maybe you're not following him. Maybe you're watching online today. Maybe you're at home and you're sick or you're, you're out of town this morning and, and you're saying, Gabriel, I just need to, I need to be a follower of Christ. Not just for me, although I do need it for me. I need it for my family. I need it for my friends. I need it for my business partners. I need to be an example. I need to set the tone today and I need to follow Christ. I feel that calling in my heart. And can I tell you this morning, if you're not serving him, if you feel stuck or trapped in sin, he is calling you. He did die for you. He wants to set you free today. Let's just begin to ask God right now. I'm going to pray and I want you to pray in your own way. But let's begin to ask God to forgive us and and let's begin to turn and repent. So God, today we just ask that you forgive us from our sins. God, I pray today that we would be followers of you. Today we make the choice, God. We choose you. We choose you over us. We choose you over our finances. We choose you over our business. We choose you over our kids. God, we want you. And we want to be followers of Christ. Because we want to grow followers of Christ. So God, today we give you our hearts, we give you our lives, we lay everything down at your feet. God, my business is not as important as as you. My church is not as important as you, God. The most important thing in my life right now is knowing Christ. So today I want to turn away from all of my sins, those things that I know are wrong, God. And I want to turn towards you. I want to follow you. I want to give you my life. I believe that you're the only way to heaven. I believe you're the only one that can free me from my sins. I believe you are the Messiah. That not only did you die for my sins, but you rose again so that I can live a new life. And God, I pray for parents today. If you're a parent today or you're going to be a parent today and you feel comfortable, uh, Maybe nobody knows you. Maybe you're pregnant and nobody knows it. You don't have to raise your hand on this one. But if you want to, I want you to just slip your hand up if you're a parent today. There's a place in the Bible that's just about receiving. And so our hands really in the Bible, whenever you lay hands on someone, it's about giving. And then also there's a place about receiving. So I just pray for parents right now. I pray for dads and moms that they would be spiritual leaders in their homes. I pray that they would be disciple makers. I thank you, Father God, that that in the end of Matthew, you called us to go to the nations and make disciples. But God, we start right here. We start in our own home. We start under our roof. And so God, I pray for those parents right now or parents to be God, that you would bless them and minister to them today. Prepare them in Jesus name, in Jesus name.